This is episode 44 with Louis DiBianco. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, men of abundance? This episode is straight gangster. <laughs> You're going to know what I'm talking about here in a minute as soon as you meet Lewis. He is one heck of a character. He is an actor. He's a storyteller. And I'm telling you, Lewis is really going to challenge you and get your mind thinking. This episode was a lot of fun. I'm certainly going to share a little bit more about Lewis here in just a minute. But before I bring him out, I want to remind you, and in case you didn't know, I'm on a 1 million download push in the next 99 days, 98 days. I don't know what I'm at right now, but I'm definitely under 100 because the last episode, episode 43, where I talk about my million download push. I hope you have listened to that. If you have not listened to that episode right after this episode, please go back and listen to that episode because you can help. I want your help. I want to enlist you. It's not going to cost you anything, but just a tiny, tiny bit of your time. And all I'm asking of you is for you to share Men of Abundance with everybody you know. Look, we all have huge networks. We all know people that need some assistance in their life. Now, I know for a fact that you know at least a handful of people, if not more, that are tired of being average. They no longer want to be average. They want to put themselves out to the world. They want to do greater things in the world. And that's what we're doing here at Men of Abundance. We're showing you, I'm showing you, that you do not have to live a life of scarcity. Most of us are brought up in a scarcity mindset in one way or another. Rather, if it's in money, if it's in your abilities, if it's in whatever it is in life, you're brought up with scarcity. You're told no multiple times as a child that carries on as an adult and we're trying to squash that scarcity mindset so that you can have the abundance mindset and go out and do amazing things in the world for yourself your family your friends and people you don't even know I have reached people with this podcast already that I don't even know people are contacting me saying I really enjoyed that episode today It changed my day. I don't know that it changed their life, but at least changed their day. It changed that moment in time. It helped them see things in a different perspective. And that's what I'm doing here by bringing all of these amazing guests on. And you might even end up on the show. I would love to have a conversation with you as you're going through your journey to live your life of abundance and get out of that scarcity mindset. So I'm asking you to share this with the people that you know. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on your Twitter. Send it out in an email. Talk to somebody. Write Men of Abundance on, a, on five pieces of paper and hand that to five people today. Menofabundance.com. Go check it out. It may help you. These are truly amazing conversations that I'm having with some very abundant people that are on their own abundant journey. They share their stories with you. They share their ups and downs. They share that kick in the gut moment. They share that enough is enough pivot point. And we're sharing this with you in hopes that it will resonate with you and that you will finally make a decision to step out of your bubble 
and start doing the things that you want to do in life rather than just going haphazardly, getting in your car every morning, driving to work, doing your job, driving back home, sitting down with the kids. Hopefully you're out playing with your kids and spending time with your family and spending time with your spouse rather than just sitting in front of the TV and having your mind filled with all of the garbage and political propaganda or watching some mind-numbing TV show that is giving you no value whatsoever. All right, I'm going to get off this rant so I can introduce you to Lewis. But please, share this episode, Share Men of Abundance, with everybody that you come in contact with. It doesn't cost you anything but a few seconds, and I'm telling you, chances are those people that you share this with are going to come back and thank you. It's a wonderful feeling. All right, I'm not going to get too much into Lewis's bio because he really does a great job at telling his story. But amongst many other things, Lewis is an actor, he's an entrepreneur, he's a storyteller, he's a podcast host, and we're going to talk about all of that in this episode. But I want you to pay attention to his passion. I want you to pay attention to the words that Lewis is speaking because it really sinks home. This is one of those episodes you might want to come back and listen to again because there are so many messages in this episode and in Lewis's story. Lewis, welcome to Men of Abundance. Hey, thank you so much. It's my honor to be here, my friend. I'm glad to hear that. I really am. Where are you at in the world? I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Have not been to Canada yet. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, uh, I have definitely not been to Hawaii, and I am looking forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed, absolutely. So, I like to start the show out the same way I start out most mornings, which is with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today, Lewis? I am most grateful for my freedom to live exactly as I choose. And I mean... Uh, I don't answer to a boss. I have the economic freedom to do as I please. I have the political freedom to move around in my world and go wherever I want. And I have just about every freedom that um, people fight and die for on the planet. And I am aware of that and I am eternally grateful for it. That is indeed a wonderful thing to be grateful for, and that is most definitely living a life of abundance. Yes, indeed. Awesome. So before we got started here, I gave a very brief bio of who you are and who we're talking to today, but I want to hear it from you. What I talked about was very brief, so I would like to hear a little bit more from you, so let's get a little bit personal. Sure. Where do you want to start? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I know you've lived a, a very abundant life and, you know, eventually we're going to get into those kick in the gut moments and basically your pivot point, which is probably multiple, but we want to get into the best one. Sure. But just to get started, let's just talk a little bit about where you're from, who you are and, you know, kind of what's gotten you to the point you're at today. Well, I'm a kid from the Bronx, New York, grew up in the Bronx and um, grew up in a time there was a lot of of violence in the air. I was surrounded by gangs and it was intimidating and also incredibly exciting for me. Being in that in that kind of environment, the way I learned to survive was to use my wits and my power to talk, which eventually in my adult life 
gave birth to the, the work that I do now passionately, which is to help people communicate their stories. I became a storyteller on the streets of New York in order to negotiate with people who could have done me harm. And by being able to engage them, to charm them, to create rapport with them um, verbally, I was able to not only survive, but um, have a, a very rich life. I uh, went to school to study English literature. That's after bumbling around for many years, not knowing what I was going to do, selling magazines door to door, selling singer sewing machines, enrolling in a business program that I was totally unsuited for, and then finding a love for English literature. And that connected me to the world of dramatic literature. And when I discovered that, I knew I had found my home because I just loved the world of drama. Eventually, I became a professional actor. And I've been blessed to have a very rich and exciting career as an actor. I uh, performed on stages around the world in France, in Belgium, in Scotland, toured all of Canada, got to perform at the National Arts Center of Canada, uh, which is the equivalent in, let's say, in New York of uh, Lincoln Center. And I've appeared in numerous feature films, even the Academy Award-winning Moonstruck. And I ended up making my living, Wally, by playing gangsters, mostly. And the reason I point that out is because as a kid, I looked like a tough guy, but inside I was not. Inside I was really a person who loved to live in my imagination. And I was drawn to the world of the tough guys of the street, but that's not who I really was. And I believe that playing gangsters and enjoying that so much is a kind of artistic revenge because now I can be them, exercise the power that they used to exercise over me, but I can do it without hurting anybody. So um, how's that? If you need more, just ask away. I'm sure you can keep going. The question that I have is, why do you feel it is that you was drawn to play that role as a kid? As, as a young man. As well, case. as a young man, I didn't play the role of the mobster. You see, here's what it was. I grew up in the Bronx with, uh, like I said, a lot of teenage gangs around me. And mm -hmm. as a kid, I both looked up to them because they seemed really cool. You know, it's like the funs on TV. It's like the world of um, Saturday Night Fever, except a little more edgy and dangerous. And Although I was, I emulated them at some level, the uh, sensitive and smart part of me knew that going down that road was a dead-end street, and I wasn't going to go that way. And also, I had to deal with these guys on a daily basis. I worked in the neighborhood as a kid in a, in a local candy store. I used to have to deal with, um, with thugs. I, have to, I used to have to deal with junkies, and I had to know how to get them to like me enough so that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be beat up or I wouldn't be killed. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? No, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. So it was kind of out of um, out of a need of survival, really, to uh, kind of fit in. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, on the exterior, my exterior when I was a teenager, I, I looked like them. I used to wear my hair that way, um, um, the long hair with the pompadour, the square back haircut, the black leather motorcycle jacket, the garrison belt, you know, all of that. I used to play it. I wore the costume, but I wasn't that character. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I can certainly relate to that uh, without a doubt. So how does a young man from the Bronx end up in Canada? Okay, I'm going to tell you the... um, the answer that I give people just to throw them off when they ask me in Canada, gee, you're from New York. What are you doing here? I just look at them with a straight face and I say, I'm here for witness protection. And I, and I watch their mouths drop. Of course, I say that because I played gangsters who've gone into witness protection. The truth of the matter is that I went to uh, McGill University in Montreal to pursue my master's degree in English literature. I fell absolutely in love with Montreal and with Canada. And when I began to audition in Montreal for plays and for films and for television, I started getting work. The rest was history, my friend. My career took off here. And I just, I remained. I became a citizen. I'm a dual citizen. I'm American and Canadian. That's wonderful. Now, I've talked to other actors. I've talked to other people in various professions of the arts. And it's a tough industry. So I know you have a few kick-in-the-gut moments, either related to that directly, or that can be a little bit more personal. But I'd like to hear your biggest kick-in-the-gut Fabulous. Moment. Now, my kick-in-the-gut moment is not related directly to acting. But later, um, when we talk about a decision to turn things around, that is related to acting. My kick-in-the-gut moment, Wally, came on me unexpectedly in the year 2001. I was functioning, I thought, quite well. I was working as an actor. I was doing other things. I had a social life. I had a a love life. And all of a sudden, I began to feel signs of bad health. It began to manifest physically. It started with stomach cramps. It went on to acid reflux. And then my body began to wither away. I was losing weight rapidly. And I began to think maybe I had a serious disease. Every time I went for a physical, they said, can't find anything wrong. Well, eventually this led to an all-out debilitating depression. I mean, I'm talking about a level of depression that I had never experienced before and hopefully will never again. I got to the point where It was a major challenge to go to a store and buy groceries. I remember one day standing in the supermarket in an aisle and for an hour and a half not being able to decide what can of tuna I should buy. Now, today we can laugh at that, but at that time, it wasn't a laughing matter. As a matter of fact, I remember my girlfriend at the time asking me if I could make some sandwiches for a picnic. And I became almost terrified and overwhelmed, almost as if someone had said to me, we'll need you in one hour to do brain surgery. It was difficult for me to even make a sandwich. That's, I, I was basically crippled. 
mentally. I started hiding in my house. I started staying in bed entire days and just watching time go by. And you know, what was now, and I look back, what was great about that is that one day, this is after it lasted an entire summer. I remember it was early September. I remember the, the day very, very clearly. I walked up my steps from my bedroom to my kitchen. And when I got to the kitchen, I suddenly felt the voice inside of me say, you know what? You're only listening to voices in your head. This is not you, and you can take control and take your life back. And I, for some reason, I listened to it. And as soon as I did, I felt empowered. And I remember starting to do simple activities, like just clean a kitchen counter. And just that simple mechanical action started energizing me. And I began slowly but surely to come back to my own self. When I did come back, that's when I developed the, the very keen awareness that everything that we perceive that we might call reality is only a made-up story. And because it's a made-up story, we have the choice constantly to pick a story that empowers us or one that disempowers us. I can't tell you why my unconscious chose to go into the depths of hell for three months, but I do know that coming out of it, I came out a stronger, more positive, more creative, and more productive human being and I will never look back. Wow, there's so much that you said there. And normally I would have to chime in, but there's just nothing to add to that. Only thing I would say to our abundant leaders out there is time and time again, there are examples that prove the power of the mind and how your mind can sabotage who you are and who you want to be and where you want to be in life, or it can empower you. And ultimately, once you realize that you can make that decision, then you're free. You own your life. And that is amazing that you were able to come out of that at such a young age. Oh, listen, absolutely. I, I agree with every word you said. And of course, as you know, today, my podcast is called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And that grew out of that experience because you know, people can give lip service to saying, yeah, I understand that. That makes sense. If I think positively, I'm going to be better off. But that's a mental awareness. You've got to experience this in your emotions, in your gut, for you to really know what it means. And yeah, literally, if you start writing a different script, affirming different self-talk, you can step into any reality that you want. Exactly. And thinking positive isn't quite enough because, as you st stated, Lewis, that you actually started taking action. You, you physically started doing things, physical things, uh, that was activating your brain cells and your, the cells in your body and really healing you ultimately. But the positive affirmations and the positive thinking is great, but unless you put some action behind that, you're, that you basically just have positive action, which is great for the mind, and it helps, but ultimately you have to take that action. I totally agree. May I add something to that? Absolutely, please. People get stopped often because they start going into their heads and saying, well, which action should I take? Uh, could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be whatever? Here's my answer. It doesn't matter. 
Remember, my action was mundane. It was cleaning a kitchen counter. But it was physical and it was activity. Do anything, even if it's just, I feel terrified. I don't want to leave the house. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk into that fear and I'm literally going to go for a brisk walk. That action will begin to empower you. Absolutely, without a doubt. So you may have mentioned it and that may have been what it was as far as your enough is enough moment and your pivot point. But what is it that finally, ultimately, um, other than walking up the stairs and your mind just basically telling you you had to do something else, you had to make some changes, what was your pivot Uh, point? The pivot point actually came a few years later. It was in the year 2006, Wally. You see, at that point, I was living comfortably. And it's nice to be comfortable, but it's also dangerous. By comfortably, I mean I was getting my share of acting roles. But, you know, like you said, the acting profession is is a tough one. I mean, I've been blessed to even have a television series for three years in Canada. But... The reality is that at the end of every gig, you go back to square one, it's as if you don't exist, and you may not work for the next three months, six months, a year, and you watch your resources, especially financial resources, dwindle. And I had been putting up with that and thinking it was okay, but in 2006, it really began to get to a point where I had to just step in and say, no, enough is enough. I don't like living this way. And, you know, again, it started with, I don't believe there were any accidents, but I remember a day in 2006 when I walked into a bookstore and I just began uh, browsing through uh, hardcover books. I saw a title called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I picked it up, opened it, and I was immediately engaged. It was written by T. Harv Eker. I bought it. I brought it home, and somewhere midway through the book, Harv wrote, because you're reading this book, you're entitled to a scholarship to my $1,300 three-day seminar, And uh, just check to see when it's going to happen in your city. I did. It was coming up in a couple of weeks. I enrolled for it, and I went. That course, which was the Millionaire Mind Intensive, began an entire new journey for me. Because that's where I started getting the tools to begin to change the mindset strategically, not just, you know, randomly or because I get enthused for a moment, but how do you do it on a daily basis? Now, here was a decision that I had to make. At the end of those three days, they presented us with their entire curriculum of four years, and it was called Quantum Leap. The Quantum Leap was a commitment of $28,000 And you couldn't pay it off in time payments. You had to put your credit card down and pay for it in full. I wasn't working. I didn't know when the next job was coming. So I literally had to just go on blind faith and a powerful instinct in my gut. I put my credit card down and I was scared out of my wits. 
because the mind chatter was you're being taken you bought the uh, you've you've drunk the Kool-Aid they've seduced you and you're giving your money away and you don't even have a job I didn't listen to that voice the very first course in Quantum Leap was called Enlightened Warrior Training five days in which the mandate of the course is to tame the cobra of fear I went in a caterpillar I came out a butterfly I went in a hypochondriac. I came out a person who never worried again about his health. How is this an enough is enough moment? Here's what happened. Through that experience, I discovered I connected with a human being at that course who was a successful network marketer. I made the decision to join his network marketing company and I began to develop a beautiful and ever-growing residual income. The moment that happened, I had power over the acting challenge because no longer was I desperate about when will I get an audition. I got to the point where the money I was making with network marketing was enough to take care of everything plus. So if I didn't get an audition, I didn't worry about it. Then when I did get auditions, I went in very relaxed. Guess what? I started getting more acting work as a result. And that's when I realized from now on, any enterprise that involves money, I'm going to choose something that I can control. Because having someone else make decisions about your economic future is a very bad place to be. It's disempowering, it's humiliating, and I just won't tolerate it. That was my enough is enough journey, if you like. That is one hell of a journey for sure. And amongst many other things, one of the things I want to reiterate to our abundant leaders out there is just another benefit of having a strong side hustle on the side, whether it's in network marketing, affiliate marketing, some sort of you know, consulting things, something that you can do that's kind ends up being some sort of a residual in nature or even a passive type of income to where it doesn't take a whole lot of time commitment. Um, because in Lewis's case, it ended up freeing him of his need for money, his worry for money, made him much more relaxed in the auditions and everything else that was all that was. Uh, may I add something to that? What, how much time do we have, Molly? Oh, we're good. We're right at about 25 minutes. So. Yeah, what I wanted to say is, here's another stumbling block when you are faced with making a decision like, should I jump into this new enterprise and I don't know anything about it? What will stop you, what used to stop me, was wanting to see everything that, wanted to, to see the future, to have a guarantee of its success. You can't have that. You've got to believe first. You've got to close your eyes dive into the darkness if you like actually do a free fall just following your instinct and trust that you will discover a way to turn that into gold and that is scary 
but you've got to give up that momentary control. You can't know the outcome. I mean, I didn't know when I put down a credit card for $28,000 where the next paycheck was going to come from. Do you know how many times over I have earned that money again and again and again because I made that decision? You've got to go with your gut. Absolutely. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but the bottom line is you just simply cannot predict the outcome. Even going to college, which is what the norm for everybody is supposed to do, you cannot predict the outcome. No college out there could tell you what job you're going to get or even if you're going to get a job. So have the same thought process when it comes into getting into whatever enterprise that you feel is right for you. Great advice. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, Lewis, at this point, we are going to pay it forward. Are you ready for that? Yes, I am. Outstanding. Hey, Abundant Leaders, check this out. I know that you have an amazing message, an amazing story to share about yourself, your product, your business, your book, your podcast, whatever it is. I know you're trying to get it out to the masses. You're trying to get it out to that perfect customer that is looking for your product or service or even your book or your course or whatever it is that you have that you're trying to put into the marketplace. Marketing and selling is more about connecting with that perfect customer than selling that customer. You know that you like to do business with people that you feel you know and trust. Your customers are exactly the same way. So how do you connect with that perfect customer? Well, the best way that I know of right now in today's day and age is to get on a podcast and tell your story. But not just any podcast. You want to get on that podcast that has tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people who are already listening and waiting for you. They're waiting to hear your story. They're waiting to hear about your product or service. Now, it's really not that difficult to get on a podcast. You have to know how to tell your story in such a way that you're going to lift up the podcast, lift up the host, and direct people back to your product without coming off completely self-serving. So I'm going to introduce you to Tom Schwab at Interview Valet. He is going to help you not only get on that perfect podcast specifically for your service and for who you are. Interview Valet is going to coach you. They're going to share that episode and all the other episodes with their social network. And that is extremely powerful. You're going to get known not only from that podcast, but from the entire network within Interview Valet. So go to the resources tab at menofabundance.com, click on the Interview Valet logo, and watch that short video. I'll also have an option on that same page, as well as the homepage, where you can get access to the nine secrets of getting booked on your first podcast. You can do it yourself, but Interview Valet is going to take you to the next level. All right, let's get back to the show. So give Men of Abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Okay. I want you to think about one action that you've been wanting to take, but you've been very afraid to do, and to take at least one step in that direction. I also want you to decide to do something every day from now on that scares you. Every day, say, have I done something today that scares me? That, that, now, I'm not talking about stepping in front of a moving truck. Okay, I'm not talking about something crazy, something that will bring you closer to your dream in life, but you're afraid to do it. Let's say for network marketers, it's talking to somebody on um, your chicken list, some very successful person who might shoot you down. Go and talk to that person, whatever it happens to be. And then tonight, 
don't go to sleep without reading something inspirational and empowering for at least 15 minutes, better 30 minutes, and make a list of five things that you're grateful for before you close your eyes tonight. Wonderful. Absolutely excellent advice. What habits make up the biggest impact in your life, Lewis? Consistency, daily affirmations. I I do them literally every day, morning, evenings, and, and I'll also do them during the day if I find that I'm starting to feel frustrated or frightened or defeated, I will shift into affirmations. And another one is the regimen of physical exercise and to do that no matter what because it establishes a discipline, it reinforces consistency, and it also will help to prolong the health of your brain, of your mind. Excellent. What book would you recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Can it be more than one? Sure, absolutely. You already mentioned one great book, which I personally have in my library as well. So here's one. Aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. Subtitle, Discovering Your Purpose Through the Power of Words by Kevin Hall. And the forward is by none other than Stephen Covey. This, again, goes to the heart of your story, which is made up of your language, will determine the quality of your life. Aspire. The other one is Bold. How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler. A total game changer. And the final thing is The One Thing by Gary Keller and I think Jay Papazan. The one thing focuses on focus, choosing one thing when you're literally looking at a kaleidoscope of things that you might do, eliminating all of them except one, dedicating and committing to that and moving forward. Excellent suggestions. Great books. In fact, I'm going to be personally speaking with Jay Papazan next week on Men of Abundance, so stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, I just uh, spoke with Jeff Woods, who is now the manager for The One Thing. He's the one that's heading up all the marketing for that book and everything. I just spoke with him last week. All of the so all of the books that Luis just mentioned, along with links and timestamps and all that amazing stuff is going to be in the show notes at menofabundance.com and just search Lewis in the search bar and this episode will pop right up. So, Lewis, I have one more question for you, and it's my favorite question to ask all my guests because I'm always amazed at all the just amazing and abundant answers, and that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? Well, it means to me that I can hold my head up high every place I go, not feel dependent in a negative way on institutions, on other people, And in terms of contribution, what it means is that I am able to help people who are open to it, to reawaken their dreams, to come alive, and to step into greater lives than they ever imagined they could have. On a physical and just material level, it means the ability to jump on a plane to go and enjoy a wonderful... um, weekend of theater in New York City, 
or jump on a train and go to Montreal and be with my best friend, my playwright friend, Vittorio Rossi, um, and not feel that I have restrictions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could elaborate on this for another half hour, but... <laughs> no, that's beautiful, I, and thank you for sharing that, and that's a beautiful answer. I truly appreciate that. So we're going to close this up, and before we do, I'd love for you to leave us with a parting piece of guidance in any way that we can reach you, and um, please mention your podcast as well, because it's a beautiful podcast. Absolutely. I would love to leave people with this simple yet life-changing exercise. And I'm not kidding. It really, really is. Try this for one day. If you're successful, then extend it to two days. Eventually, go to one week. Here it is. Don't complain. Don't blame. And don't explain. Now, let me explain that. Complaining isn't simply when you're talking to other people. We often complain in our own self-talk. We'll mutter to ourselves. We'll say, "Ah, why did this have to happen to me? Gee, that person irritates me, etc., etc. Those are complaints. Don't allow yourself a single complaint for one entire day. Blaming, well, that's pretty easy to understand. We blame people often when they're not there. Sometimes we'll do it to their face, but usually it's when they're not present. We'll say, you know, if only so-and-so hadn't said that, I would have felt better today. Those words, that language, is blaming another person for the way you feel. And remember, you always choose how you feel. A person can say anything they want to you. How you respond to it is up to you. The final one, don't explain, means don't justify anything. Another way of putting it is take 100% responsibility for everything. Here's a good example. You have an appointment, an important meeting at 10 a.m. You give yourself 15 minutes to get there. Normally it's enough time, but you get stuck in a traffic jam. When you walk in 20 minutes late, the first words out of your mouth are, God, I'm sorry I was caught in a traffic jam. Yes, it's true, but you explained it. This is tougher, but it's more empowering. Say this instead. I apologize for being late. I take full responsibility for it. Or, simply, I apologize for being late. Don't explain. Don't give a reason why. Even if you don't fully understand this exercise right now, do it. And then see how you feel, how powerful it will make you feel when you begin to master it. Go out, be strong, create magic. My podcast is called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. You can find it on iTunes and on Stitcher. 
And I also have a site called changeyourstorypodcast.com. And people can reach me at Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Excellent. I appreciate that. I appreciate that parting piece of guidance. It was very powerful. Thank you. And I appreciate you opening your heart and your time to me and to your community. Awesome. Take care. You too. Brother, I want to thank you so much for sticking around. You sat through this whole episode, and I truly thank you for your time. I am sure you got something out of that conversation between Lewis and I. And if you did, make sure you pay it forward. Share this episode. Share Men of Abundance with everybody you know. And if you haven't done so already, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I would truly, truly appreciate that. What all this sharing does and all of this subscribing to iTunes and leaving a rating that pushes us up in the search engines that pushes us up in the search on iTunes on Google on all the search engines it pushes us up in the searching when anybody searches abundance even men men of abundance I don't know who's searching for that but the bottom line is if anybody's looking to improve their life in one way or another it pushes us up in the search engines so that more men can find men of abundance now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it for That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance. <laughs>